Joe, what do athletes wear on Leap Day? What? Jumpsuits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joe, what's the best place? I mean, the best place to eat on Leap Day. What? I hop. There you go. There you go. Of course, it's post two days after <laughs> Leap Day. But hey, it's Carnival Personnel, and I'm Jacques. Joe. And uh, what, what, what do you do to celebrate February 29th around the Joe household? Back in the old days, we used to watch Quantum Leap Marathons. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I think you're making a joke, but I'm also looking no, at you thinking, I remember I distinctly, think. I think Sci-Fi Channel back maybe in 96 had a Quantum Leap Leap Day Marathon. I don't know where I rank it, but it's ranked pretty high. I'm a big fan of 30 Rock. I don't know how vested you were in 30 Rock. Like, you know, on my celebrity on my celebrity wish list, it is not. I, I could not stress this more. It is not Tina Fey. She is not on my list. I like her a lot. Not Tina Fey. Liz Lemon, dream girl. Like, Liz Lemon is my dream girl. Uh, but they had, I'm going to say, the greatest leap day sitcom episode in the history of television and they have created this whole guy um oh leap day was it leap day leap day williams who lives in the marionic trench and he comes out and he trades candy for children's tears so you have to cry for him and then he and and it's funny because i want to say it was 2012 that Disney did a 24-hour leap day. It was Disney every now and then will open the park for 24 hours for a special thing. And it was on leap day and there were so many people like wearing it. So look it up, the leap day William costume that the guy Kenneth. And so this is how great the episode was. They did a mashup between uh, a Christmas Carol where uh, Jack Don- um, Donaghy, um, Alec Baldwin's character, had a Leap Day kind of um, uh, Scrooged or, Scro- you know, kind of the ghost of Leap Day past came and visited him. And, and um, it was great. But they also... And I forget exactly how it went, but they kept cutting back to, like, Liz Lemon had never heard of this, like, Leap Day TV special that stars Jim Carrey, where he keeps turning into, it's like a takeoff of, like, the Santa Claus, where he kept turning into the Santa Claus. He keeps turning into Leap Day uh, uh, Williams. Like, he's walking through the living room in his, you know, in his suit to go to work, and he looks in the mirror, and he has the mustache and gills coming out of his neck. And and this uh, I don't know how to describe the hat, almost like a leprechaun hat. And he like takes it off and he throws it away and he turns to look in the mirror and the hat's back on his head. And they have the little bug in the bottom right screen that says USA. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like like and they keep cutting away to this fold. Like I can't. It's like and it's like how do you not know that movie? It stars Jim Carrey and they actually got Jim Carrey to be in their their inception of sitcoms. But uh, nice. anyways, uh, this this is our first. And, and uh, you know, breaking down the fourth wall, we're actually recording on February 29th. Yeah. Which, Great for us. Are you a little excited? We've Of all the days we've ever recorded, we've never recorded on a, on a leap day. So, yeah. happy leap day, Joe. One happy leap day. What did you get me? <laughs> Children's tears, apparently. I'm sorry. I'll show myself up. Let's see what happens if I just don't talk to the whole podcast. Lucky you guys. <laughs> um, you know, uh, on a on a, a it's not a sad note. I mean, it's just a fact. Uh, but the woman, uh, uh, Catherine Johnson, who was the uh, the NASA scientist that Hidden Figures was about, passed away. Made it to a hundred and one. And and what a what a nice mathematical ride. number to land on, <laughs> like a palindrome. You know. You, you, I know what a palindrome is. That's one of a few big words I actually don't have to look up. Yep. Uh, wow, mom, uh, mom, I had a, uh, I had, what was it? Was it the Andor zip code? Oh, one, oh, one, eight, one, oh, I, I lived in a, a zip uh, once I had a zip code that was palindrome and I, I felt smart telling people, I think it used as a pickup line, but Weird Al did a whole song with palindromes called Bob He's in the style awesome. of Bob Dylan. Did he really? Yeah. 
And every single sentence, every line is a palindrome. That guy's genius. He is. He is a genius. I'm going to jump ahead. You know, uh, but first of all, like the hidden figures, you haven't seen it. It was great. We're going to touch on NASA in just a bit, but uh, interesting to bring out NASA. But uh, Joe and I got into this conversation the other night. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay might be a genius. I, and and I never thought those words were going to come out of my mouth. But after our conversation the other night, I did a little research. Andrew Dice Clay might be a genius. You had them all wrong, didn't you? I did because um, I'm listening to iHeartRadio. And Joe and I had a discussion about this. It's like, it, it, it's funny, like some of the bits that they haven't pulled down that maybe they should have. Like when you hear a racist bit, like it's. 2020, you know, and there was a lot of bits. I, I think most of their material came from the early 2000s when, you know, you could make brown people getting on an airplane joke, you know, and, and a lot of them, like, you know, Dennis Miller has a bunch of those. I'm like, yeah, that's, um, that probably, if I was, uh, if I, if I was, uh, curating the, the playlist, that wouldn't be there. Jeff Dunham has a terrorist Dumb. dummy. Yeah. See? Yeah. Yeah, you don't you know like the yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name Mah- Mahmed or something like that the uh, suicide bombing wow yeah and I think that was after nine eleven so you know what's just apropos you know yeah, no the little ones you blow up so young um, so I'm you know and sometimes you hear bits that just aren't funny and I'm like I'm not funny. I don't have to tell anyone accidentally listening to this, that. But when I hear stuff, I'm like, how did that? Anyways. So what about Andrew Dice Clay? So I called Joe, and I'm like, I just heard this bit, and it was awful. It's like, just, and I, I start describing the bit. He's like getting agitated because somebody tells him, do some of your rhymes. And he's like, I know my fucking act. I don't need your help. You know, it's like kind of almost like he was having a breakdown. It was almost like uh, like an Andy Kaufman kind of thing. But it's 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 a quiet club. I mean, it's a, you can hear like people putting their drinks down on the table, and and then it, it segued into a discussion with Joe and I. It's like why was he funny and how was he funny? And it's like yeah, that hickory dickory, which which Joe launched into answering everything like that for the next twenty minutes before I begged <laughs> him to stop. I said I will take you doing Dennis Miller at the end of everything. <laughs> hickory dickory, doc babe, this guy's got me sweating like Nixon, babe. Cha cha, <laughs> you got to throw the cha cha, cha cha, and so. Uh, so we're talking about it. He goes, no, he put out a whole double. He, Joe tells me he puts out an album of his bombing and he doesn't put out an album. It's a double album <laughs> of him just bombing. And, and we're like, wait, you know, he did Fort Fairlane and, and then Joe starts telling a story about what TV show was he on where he was crying because he was so proud of it. Arsenio Hall. Yeah. He was on uh, Arsenio Hall as a guest to promote Fort Fairlane. And he kind of broke kayfabe a little bit and when he was addressing the audience because, you know, the audience was giving him a little bit of shit. You know, it, if you imagine, Arsenio's audience was probably mostly non-white and maybe had some things to say about Andrew Clay's material. But I remember him addressing the audience and saying, you know, this movie is like my gun with the wind and it's, or something like that. Or my Citizen Kane or, you know, he equated it to some you know, monumental achievement in cinema. And he's like, I'm just so fucking proud of this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional because I know you're just going to fucking love it when you see it. Oh, oh. And maybe had they seen it, they would have, but no one went to see it. Right. Um, and then Andrew Dice Clay movie falls in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and it did. I think uh, that's where it premiered. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and when I hear the material, I... I've liked some bad comics. I like some bad comedy. I like my own stuff. And, and, but I've never been a dice guy. And I get it, but I, I was always amazed how big he got. And not for a long time, but he had a window where he was big. But I'm listening to this bit on iHeart, and it's just hard to listen to. So I tell Joe, Joe tells me about it. Rick Rubin produced that album. And he did it at the comedy store in Los Angeles. And when he started, the, he it was a late night thing. He purposely went in there almost after hour, like, you know, an hour before closing time, like on a weeknight. 
And he had some fans when he started, but he was rude to them. And they ba- he basically drove out the people who would have cheered for him. He, well, in the business, it's called walking them. And it's, <laughs> right. He walked the crowd. And so he's, um, he's, he's left with 20 people who probably were, you know, maybe tourists who were like, oh, I can't believe we're getting to see this guy for like five bucks on a Wednesday night. And it's... It it hurts. It's little, it, like I said. It's like an Andy Kaufman thing, but in an almost empty quiet room. And I it's guess called the day the laughter died, part two or something like that. And I guess Mitzi Shore went to his house like the next day, and like you can't release that will kill your career. It will kill your career. Went gold in four days. <laughs> in four days, wow. it went gold, and it has since. You know, because it's twenty years ago, sold millions of copies. It's legendary among comedy fans, because it is just like it's so preposterous that this superstar, you know, anti-comedian, he was you know, he was like rock and roll for years, puts out this album just bombing, and you know how to see a comedian do well and tell really funny jokes is funny. To see a comedian that does well or has done well and eat shit in front of an audience is doubly funny. You hear people talking about, you know, known comics. Some nights they're just off. Or some nights they're breaking in new material and it's not going great. But they'll have a couple moments here or there. Or they'll revert back to their, you know. You know, I saw Jim Gaffigan shoot a special. And he was great. And a couple of his jokes didn't work. And it's like he shot over a few days. I'm like, oh, he probably tweaked it the next day. And then he came on and did an encore and he did his greatest hits. He did his Hot Pockets and stuff like But it just, oh, hard. And it's not the way, it's not like he went up there to do a prepared set and didn't get the laughs. He went up there, did his jokes, but then started to get in it, into it with the crowd. And then became mad with the crowd and then became contemptuous of the crowd and that's where it gets funny when he has complete and utter contempt for the crowd i I haven't heard the entire album i don't know i don't think i could i i couldn't get through it okay i i i guarantee you there's no way i would be able to sit there and listen to that much uncomfortable for that long yeah um but but that i cannot believe i've 180 like I don't want to see his regular routine, and I don't want to listen to this, but I got to give credit where credit's due. The guy, he pulled, it's a genius it, moment. I mean, you know, Andrew Clay is not like, he he was playing a character, though, all, like all those years. Like, he wasn't, there's a little bit of, you know, self-aggrandizement or like, what's a delusion, you know, of grandeur. But there was, some of the grandeur was very, very real for a very for a, a period of time. I mean, he was averaging, you know, playing in front of eighty thousand people a week. He'd be doing seven shows, eight shows a week in front of in places that held ten thousand people. Right, and he started a lot of like, you know, careers. Like he he would have new comedians come up on tour with him, like like Jim Norton or uh, these other guys, like Jim Florentine. You know, like these other kind of rude white guy comics from like their late nineties early 2000s got their start by touring with Dice and Dice sort of taking them under his wing. So, you know, he's he's credited with that contribution to society, but he's come around in the mainstream in the past like 5 years or so because he he was in a Woody Allen movie, you know. Despite some people not liking Woody Allen, he still put out, you know, well-received movies. But then he was also like Lady Gaga's father in A Star Is Born, you know? Like he's had turns in real bona fide, yeah, no, that's, you know, that's hits. Academy Award winning movie. That's big. Yeah, so you know he's 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 had sort of a bit of, a bit of a renaissance, but like he's never going to have this the, the 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 status that he had back in the late eighties. You know, but yeah, like I said, I have no desire to hear his old material. But credit where credits due, it that, and that's the only I guess. That's the only comedy album that Rick Rubin has ever done. I'm glad you came around a little bit on Dyson. Just when you do that 180 in your mind, do you feel the way you do, like you, you kind of mentioned with Andy Kaufman, where like those people in the audience in the 70s who were watching him on Carson for the first time and Andy Kaufman are not thinking, oh, this is a guy doing a bit. They're actually believing this guy's from a foreign land. And just, and just bombing. And just... falling. Right. Right. Today I would like to do for you the Archie Bunker. Hey, you, you meathead. 
you you think about it, make me a sandwich in the kitchen. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was actually watching that this morning because uh, of, there was a. Of course you were. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, the, like cart sharks was. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's a long story. But I was watching something else that was talking about the Jim Carrey movie with Andy Kaufman and the you know Man on the Moon. And that kind of got me down a rabbit hole. But yeah, that Elvis impersonation when he breaks into it on Carson, the women in the audience are like screaming. You know, they're just loving it. And even even Andy's like, after the show, baby. <laughs> you know, like it's it's a great uh, great thing. Yeah, and, and I I can't believe I'm throwing dice in that in that category. You know, yeah, he was just he was a performance artist slash comedian. You know, he Loved it. he had a bit like like Bob Cat Goldthwait. You right. know. They all that's that was sort of the hook in the late to mid mid to late eighties. You know, if you're, a, you know, any sort of comic needed some sort of a voice or a hook or a gimmick or something. Well, we we talked about that. It's like we both love Sam Kinison. Yeah, I mean, because he was a freight train. Yeah, you know, how long would that stick have lasted? How many? How many? And 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 would he have been able to pivot to the next thing? Right. But then it's also like separating the artist from their art. You know, they've touched on that on Miss Maisel, where there's this really popular comedian who's like this really low, she plays this low class, like housewife, and it's Jane Lynch who's doing the character. But then Mrs. Maisel goes to visit the comedian at her home, and it's palatial, and it's like this, you know, gorgeous brownstone a house in you know in in New York that's you know and she's got servants and maids and stuff and you know total 180 from the actual character the the, the low class character that she portrays but we were we, we were talking about like you know comedians who who passed who wouldn't have been able to go the next step so yeah i think i think that whole story Blew me away. I never thought there'd be a day I'd be like, Andrew Dice Clay is a genius. Yeah, he's a, he was a, you know. He had a rich genius. I mean, um, it went gold in four days. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, right. He sold out Madison Square Garden like oh. t- twice. Or two nights in a row. Or tw- no, t- two shows in the same night or something. It was fucked up. Anyways. So Joe and I continued comedy camp this week, and, and it was great. We had another Skype thing going over. And, I mean, it's really helping, but... And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all over the map here, but I might not be all over the map because I think this is the fourth week in a row where I've come on the podcast and I've said the opposite of last week as far as my tour goes. <laughs> and as of yesterday, the tour is off uh, because of the coronavirus. They're starting to literally shut down the countries in the Middle East, like on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Bahrain sent all the kids home from school. They've closed schools, all these kind of things. You know, countries are starting to shut the border. And so then I get the phone call and they're like, okay, so we're either going to, you know, cancel the tour or move the tour to like, you know, middle of the summer or something like that. Because they're, they're hoping that when it heats up, it's an airborne thing. They can't live in heat, but now they're fine. Then now they're thinking, well, maybe that's not the case. And I'm like, yeah, I can move the tour, but the guy, you know, Bill, who's, you know, the talent, you know, the guy who's the tour built around. I can't say that he's going to cover out another week. I will find out on Thursday. So by the next podcast, I will know if it's off, if it's on, or if we're going to Alaska. I mean, you couldn't go, you know. Okay, so we're going from Kuwait to Alaska. Little, uh, little different dress, you know. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm going to continue to keep working on the material in case – this does happen. And if it doesn't happen this time, so it, it is funny because on Thursday I got the phone call saying uh, there's a couple events that they want to do in June. Would you be able to help find a couple bands to come out? And I called our good friend John Hunt, and I'm like, "Do you got a passport? Is it up to date?" Because he has a new band. I'm like, I called my our good friend Roddy, and I'm like, "Hey, would you want to go?" And I, uh, I I went to call Dan. I'm like thinking, "No, he's not gonna want to." <laughs> do this um but i need to talk to him about it then i called some other friends of mine who are in bands and and i i sent over the list so on thursday i was rounding up bands i spent the whole day getting dates you know getting all their information sending links over and then friday i get the phone call saying oh not only do we not need these bands right now we uh, might not need you but we'll let you know by thursday so that's yeah so we'll we'll do another session of of jokes and, it, and it, it's been Actually, fun 
<laughs> fun for me. I can't speak for you. And I think a week from Wednesday is when I'm targeting doing this in front of real people. Okay. So, you know. Why the week from Wednesday? Because uh, they have open mic night at a little restaurant near my parents that have it. You're not going to be ready by this Wednesday? You, maybe. Maybe. You know, if you don't have to rush out of here afterwards. Yeah, you know what? You're right. What, what, <laughs> what does fucking matter? You yeah. Know what I mean, it's not going to get any better over a week's time. It might not. You know what? It might not. And you still have the glimmer of hope on this Wednesday that maybe you'll be doing something. About it. Like, you can actually perform in front of it. You know, you still you haven't been told no yet. I have not. Right, right. So it will be before Thursday. You're right. You know what? Seriously, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Um, you know, but he's, so, not, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's not leaving the house. He needs people to come to him. So I watched, and, and jumping ahead on the TV stuff, so I watched this Amazon Prime. I binge-watched. Uh, management was working. And when I binge watch things, like, she hates the way I watch TV because I'll fast forward through some stuff. Like, I'm watching eight episodes in a day. And by episode three or four, I know the crux of this conversation, what's going to happen. So if it's a five-minute scene. I'll go to, like, the last 30 seconds of it. And sometimes it's like, oh, I should rewind this a little bit. But most of the time, it's, you know, it's spot The ADD on. has gotten that bad. It, it's always been that bad. Uh so technology has caught up with your ADD. Now you can actually do Thank, something about right. it. Right. Joe, do you know what Operation Paperclip is? Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. Okay. So I'm not giving a lot away, but it, this takes place, I can't tell, it's like 7879 or 8081, right, right in that wheelhouse. And it's about Nazi hunters. And I don't know exactly when the American public found out about Operation Paperclip. But it's a real thing, and this is kind of a, a, a takeoff of this. You know, it's these Nazi hunters who, uh, you know, a group of Jewish people, it's not all Jewish people, but a group of older Jewish people in, like, New York who one day realize, wait a minute, that was the son of a bitch who did this at this camp, or, you know. Operation Paperclip, at the end of World War II, the Cold War with the Soviet Union started months before the end of World War II. We, we knew we were frenemies. You know, we had a common enemy, but the Soviets in the West, not just the United States, were going to go in different directions. Like, you know, as soon as this, as soon as Hitler's gone, we, you know, we're going to get to kicking each other's ass as soon as we're done kicking this guy's ass together. As the Allied forces started to close in, there was a mad scramble to get German scientists a mad, mad scramble. And it was a twofold thing. A, each side wanted these scientists, you know, to move forward their programs. On the other hand, they wanted you not to have them. So, you know, when, when, uh, as it collapsed, and we're not talking one or two, two or three, we're talking hundreds. Like, like the entire Raytheons and Textron defense systems and, 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 you know, trying to think of another military industrial complex here. And if you've seen World War II documentaries, which we all have, it is scary how close Germany was to the bomb. Um, and not only were they days away from coming up with the bomb before we did, uh, their rocket technology was years ahead of where either the U.S., you know, the Allied forces, like they were way ahead of the Allied forces on rocket technology. So we grabbed the scientists we could, they grabbed the scientists they could, and they were brought back to the United States. And they weren't brought, you know, back to the United States so they could uh, wait to, you know, go to, it wasn't the Hague, where, Nuremberg trials, you know. No, they were ingrained into our society. They were basically witness relocation programs. Here's your new name. Here's your identity. And so I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, I wonder how real this is or this is. You know, there's one, they kept flashing back to things that happened at the camp and I was looking to see what happened at the camp and if these are true stories or if they're based on true stories. You know, there was one thing uh, about using human beings to play chess and I'm like, okay, that is out of a Kurt Vonnegut novel. Now, did Kurt Vonnegut know about the story and use that in one of his stories, or did the person, you know, know this? So either way, I'm watching it. I'm reading about it, and then I come to find out, holy fuck, 
holy fuck. Like, the guy who was the head of the V2 project. Uh, uh, the V2 project was uh, their jets, you know, in, in, in Germany. The guy who was the head of that project, director of NASA, the first director of NASA, and here's all these pictures of Vice President Johnson, this Nazi... And Kennedy watching one of the launches in like 61, 62, you know, kind of a test thing. And it's like, and it was his entire team that they brought over. Like he had about a hundred researchers and physicists with him. They brought the whole team over and you get mad. You're like, holy fuck shit. It's like, I've heard these stories and I knew, but I didn't realize how many it was. But then you do a little more reading. It's like, oh, well, Sputnik. You know, which launched like you know the Russian, the Russian, you know, the Sputnik, which went up, uh, their first satellite. Yeah, same thing. It was all German eggheads. You, yeah. you know, it was a hard watch because you know man's inhumanity to man is pretty tough. But then I'm doing all this reading, and it's like, okay, I'm glad we went to the moon. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got these guys, and they did it. But we're not overlooking parking tickets. You know, when we say these Trump rallies are Nazi rallies, <laughs> you know what I mean? These are Nazis. These are guys who who didn't, they're not the German citizens who like, I didn't know what was going on. They weren't the Germans. I was just following orders. These were the guys who made the shit happen. But isn't it more like Yukon um, Cornelius taming the bumble? You know, this Bumble's reformed. Look at what he can do. He yeah. can make a rocket for the United States of America. Yeah, when you get the guys who... who hey, look, Mitsubishi made the Japanese zero. Like, uh, no, no, yeah, Mitsubishi made that. Um, you know, BMW made the, the weapons of war. They, everybody, like, you know, uh -huh. the fort lines were... But when you're talking... Not the guys on the assembly line who who wanted to find the most efficient ways to kill as many people as they could. These are the guys who are like, oh, here's how the gas chamber will work. Yeah, so... And then they're part of our... And you have a problem with that? No, seriously. You have a problem with the United States using geniuses for good purposes versus evil purposes. I'm conflicted. I have mixed feelings. Don't be. Okay. Don't be. I mean, for Christ's sake, there is only a limited amount of smart people in the world. You know, there's Iranian scientists that are developing things for good and for not so good. Doesn't mean that all Iranian scientists should be thrown into, you know, the Caspian Sea. No, I'm not saying... What, okay, what should they have done with... Should they have just thrown them in jail? It's like, you know what? Hey, you're a genius and you were kind of a Nazi, um, but, you know, instead of maybe repurposing you for our... Uh, you know, for our goals and for our intentions, let's just let you let all your talents rot in a cell for justice. Yeah, are you I, fucking kidding me? You know, the, um, again, I'm not. Uh, some of these people, we're not talking foot soldiers. We're talking people who sign the orders to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not like, oh, well, this guy had a bad day or this guy shot up a mall. You know what I mean? We're talking the guys who said, we're not killing Jews fast enough. If we do it this way, instead of killing 100,000, we can kill 7 million. I don't know. I see us using their talents for, for our purposes as a form of justice. And, I mean, it's, and it's a form of reparations or... I don't know. That's I guess that's how, how you have to reconcile this shit because you know what? We're only on this planet for fucking 80, 100 years or whatever the fuck at a time. It makes you question, like, what is what is justice? Is justice just sort of like... Well, it, well, it might, is, justice is, is justice just punishment? Like, he killed somebody. Let's kill him. No. Uh, eye for an eye. I'm not... Okay. So, so hypothetical. What if Hitler was a genius? I, I mean, the same... Love, what if, it's, like, we're talking... Hitler had the idea of doing it. You know, the, he had the idea. You know, he had the idea of doing it. Uh, well, it's okay. Here's the thing: uh, Trump wants to get rid of all these immigrants and and have these policies. But it's Miller, the, the guy behind, who's actually writing the policies. That go, okay, he has his war against immigrants. I'm all on board with it. I'm actually going to write the policies, procedures, and put into place the, the machinery. If Hitler was this brilliant physicist. 
who at the same time if he was a physicist he wouldn't be hitler i uh, this is the thing we can't yeah. this is an unfair comparison we're talking about leaders and demagogues versus actual men of science and people of science facts advancement of humanity these are things that they like you anybody who has knowledge about the world and how how things work can go in one or two directions morally you know, you could do. I mean, Oppenheimer developed the fucking bomb. He it was his biggest. It was his life's life's biggest achievement. Life biggest regret. And his biggest regret. I, you know, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. That was his quote of another. Nietzsche so, or something like, like that. but like you know, there's there's gonna be you know there's gonna be bad things and there's gonna be good things. So I say if if it's a toss up between letting smart scientists rot. And in jail or sh- being shot in the head and letting all of that knowledge go to the wayside just because of justice versus having them, you know, hey, come to our side and, you know, we'll, we'll give you some clemency on what you did in the past. And, yeah, you were just following orders. OK, that's the that's the mantra. You're just following orders. But in return, you're going to make us go to the moon. Okay, and give you houses and cushy yeah. jobs. And, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, it's a fucked up world uh, on one hand. Now that I'm talking about this out loud, it kind of makes me when you think about think about that. Think about Katherine Johnson. Like you, if you saw Hidden Figures, you yeah. know the shit. But here's this black woman, you know, who literally, you know, and, and I love I love her even more now that this Nazi actually needed this black woman from America to make that dream come true. But. You know, it's like I guess science makes strange bedfellows as well. When you say, you know, oh my God, my boss is Nazi, well, you know, but it, it was it was hard to see the pictures of like Kennedy and him and the not know which. So and then last night, I, you know, I'm, I'm making the boys dinner and kind of in the background, and I, I'm watching. I'm more than half watching it, but I'm not sitting down watching it. I watched a. It it was an interesting documentary. Uh, but the voiceover was kind of eh. It was like a really, really good. Remember History Channel when it first started? What their documentaries were? They, you know, uh, PBS like, but but like a really good cable access one, all about the history of NASA and the hundred years behind NASA and the people who put NASA together. And um, it was almost like a, an Illuminati Masons type thing. But when you find out, it's like oh. Well, these are the guys who started at NASA who were in these organizations proudly. And it's like their teachings and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, NASA, it, let's put it like this. Not surprising that the director was a Nazi. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know what? I don't know. At some point, you just have to turn some of the shit off in your mind because you can't reconcile all of this stuff. And there's no, there's no, like, there really is no scoreboard at the end of the universe that says, you know, um, you can only do good things all the time. No, no, I'm oh, just doing good things. But like I've said, this uncalled thing about you, you, you know these these rituals. It was just, NASA has a uh, a checkered past. It has a checkered checkered past. past. I know, I know. And now that we know better, um, I'm still glad we went to the moon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So now we don't let Nazis in NASA anymore. I think. Do I don't know. Let's and find if, scientists know, on both sides. Honestly, so. if there's a fucking, if there is a Nazi that's working in the United States that wants to fucking, you know, that'll get us to Mars. All right, just don't wear your swastika around me. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. Um, no, and look, and I get it. I, I've worked on projects with people, or I've been on hockey teams with people. I, I would not want to be associated with. Yeah. You, you know, uh, we won't mention any names. Nick, um, that's a real name. Uh, uh, moving on. I I heard rumors that Blue Bloods, my favorite awful show. How many how many episodes when I was laid up with my broken ankle? How many episodes do you honestly think I probably watched in those six weeks? Of blue of Blue Bloods, of Blue Bloods, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, and I didn't like go through it on Netflix. I just it was on Ion Television, and you just well, however it was programmed, you ingested it. I just, and I never liked it, but I couldn't stop watching it. It was like my experience with um, I don't know, uh, Growing Pains. You know, like shit that was just on right when you were a kid. You just watched. I, you did not put Growing Pains in the same category as Blue Bloods, did you? I might have. I might have. Ra- I might rabbit. it. I might. I don't know. You're not, you're not a good person. Why? Well, yeah, I'd rather work with it. I mean, I, uh, maybe I am. Uh, 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 but so I was. So I. 
I looked at this list, and I'm not going to pull it out and read it, but I was like a long list of shows that were canceled. And I found a list of like every show, whether you know it's like canceled, coming back. And as I'm scrolling down this list, I'm like, you know, Hawaii Five-0 has been canceled. After 10 years, I'm like, what? That, that, that been, lasted 10 years? Yeah, I was surprised when I read that myself. I was like, wow, that's 10 years. I don't think the original, um, maybe the original last. I don't think it did. I don't know. Look it up. If there was only a device that we had. But, uh, yeah, it's called the iPhone. Stupid. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, I, don't th- I don't think the name calling was <laughs> particularly necessary, Joseph. But, uh, yeah, I, it's – and we talk about there's just too much good TV. Hawaii 5 1968 to 1980. Wow. Yeah. That was more than 10 years, right? That's more 12, than 10? Yeah, okay. So, wait, is 12 more than 10? I don't know. Why don't you ask one of them Nazi scientists? <laughs> Uh, Nazis. So, did you see? Speaking of pure comedy gold, did you see Elizabeth Warren on the Colbert report? I saw a clip. I saw articles about it, but no, I didn't. dude, it was great. Yeah. They they played a game called Guess the Billionaire, and held. She had to hold up a picture. He, you know, hold up a picture facing him, and he would describe it. It was hilarious. The only one she didn't get, and you could see her being puzzled by it. And, and it's funny how quickly, like, Stephen Colbert is like, uh, uh, has no personality. Looks like he cut his own bangs with, you know, uh, toenail clippers. And she's like, Bill Gates, like, no, he knows everything about you. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, and, and she got a bunch of them. She did not, the only one she didn't get, Scrooge McDuck. was <laughs> the only one. And then it was great where... He has his whole plate of ribs, and they have this whole great thing about food. And he's, he went down to South Carolina. And he's like, "Have you ever had a boiled peanut?" You know, you know, South Carolinians are the only person who ever looked at peanuts. Said, "You know, that would be great, damp." And <laughs> 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 so he's trying all this food. He has this big plate of ribs in front of him, and he's like, "Okay, I'm a billionaire, and these, this is all my money, and I want all these ribs. They're my ribs. I want them. How much are you going to take away?" And she is just like. 10 ribs on a place, and she takes a tiny corner off one of the ribs. He goes, but that's my favorite part. You can't have that part. You know, I don't want to give any, but I don't want to give that. That's my. And he grabs a fork out of her hand, and she's like, that's universal child care, you jerk. You know? uh, it, was re- it was really, and I'm watching that, I'm thinking, I don't know any candidate that I've seen on these because I've seen her in other interviews who has like empathy and real emotion. And it's funny. Like I could see her doing a guest spot on Saturday Night Live and being funny. I'm not, I'm not saying hosting. <laughs> and she won't be president. Not saying hosting. And she won't be president. Not I'm, with that attitude. Uh, you know, right? Not with that attitude. Yeah. Ne- negative Nancy, who's going to vote for Elizabeth Warren in the primaries this Tuesday in Massachusetts. Big fucking shit. I mean,. You know, I, I, I'd like her to be president. She's not gonna. You're not over yet. I know. Um, a Bernie a Bernie guy came by our house. They actually, in Lowell, um, they opened a Bernie office. And kid came by. Hey, a kid in like mid-20s, you know. Had a nice conversation with them. And, 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 and we, we literally had a nice exchange. I took his stuff. I'm like, a gift to Elizabeth Warren. Bernie's, you know, my number two guy, but... And we have this nice thing. I'm like, yeah, it's upsetting that, you know, when people make this big feud and we talked about how Bernie had that short-lived podcast and she went on it. And he goes, well, maybe they made it on the same ticket together. I'm like, oh, let's hope not. He's like, why? And I'm like, if one of the two of them make it in there, they're going to need the other one in the Senate. Like, you can't lose two great senators. I don't I don't want to put that at risk, you know? And he's like, oh, I didn't think about it. Well, dude, it was – you can have nice conversations with people. You know, and I, and as long I, as you're all the same religion, you know, and can't even be the same religion. Has to be the same you know, sect, because because there's there's what forty eight different Protestant different Protestant churches just in the town alone. Die heathen. <laughs> so yeah, so so that that was, but I, I thought that was great. Um, um, so as we're sitting here chatting, the the votes going on in Carolina now, and then Super Tuesday, and you know we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh. But Joe wanted to skip the awful, and I agree. I, I will say a couple funny, not funny things. Mick Mulvaney gave a talk the other day saying for our country to have the same amount of growth, we need more immigrants coming over to continue the growth of the economy. And I'm like, okay, that's 
seems not like something in one of the Trump yeah. But, but I, I just thought, like, the hypocrisy. The other thing, a few weeks ago, I made the joke, uh, and I told Joe about it. He wasn't on the thread to the F&H guys on the text exchange we have. I'm like, Zach... The Mexican knows that the coronavirus doesn't mean you have to put an extra lime on the top of the bottle, right? Ha, ha, ha. Corona sales are down over 40%. You know? Yeah. I mean, because people really do believe that they wouldn't. That Yeah, you don't want to buy a corona while the coronavirus is going on because why? I don't know, man. Whatever. I mean, not that corona is like the best shit in the world anyway, but it's just like, eh. It does make sense. I don't know. But I'm like, they just don't want to get that stank on them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we won't even talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll just move on. But hopefully, you know, uh, I, I hope I don't get the coronavirus, but the coronavirus is wreaking havoc in my life. Right. And, and really, isn't isn't that what it's all about? Uh, I I put down there, and I, Joe didn't see the rundown until he walked in, mostly because he's lazy and he doesn't want to put the effort. That... And I did the rundown about five minutes before you walked through the door. But doesn't mean I can't deflect, you know? Yeah. Um, officer, I was just sticking my dick through the hole in this fence when this sicko comes by. And, you know, it's like, and, uh, and, uh, and I, 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 I put I, down yeah, yeah. for the, uh, for the self-indulgent theater. I requested Paul Lind doing the theme from the Beverly Hillbillies. And you know what? I would love to do a sing-along to a karaoke track, but we had some technical difficulties that took one of my cables that oh. I would normally use to pump in the music to our mixer. I'm using that to record this podcast because I think our, my recording cable broke. So, um, I mean, I could sing an acapella, but it wouldn't do it justice. It, it wouldn't. But everybody, let's, let's, let's take about five, ten seconds and think what it would sound like if Joe was doing Paul Lynn. Singing the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, that was good. I thought it sucked. That was good. No, blue. It might be might, might be the best one you've ever done. Paul Lynn didn't blow as hard. You don't know that <laughs> as so. I did. <laughs> uh, I I thought it was one of your better ones. Um, in sport, uh, so I was reading that the XFL. The ratings have gone down a little bit, but the league says they're better than they had hoped. And I was like looking at the numbers. The highest rated game they had was right around 2 million viewers. Mm. And over four networks. One game was on ABC. Like they're all the networks are carrying. Uh, And the lowest rated game was on F1, Fox Sports 1. FS1. Yeah. In a million viewers. And honestly, I, I just keep thinking. My my kids who watch all these YouTubers who get like twenty million for doing something stupid like having slinky races down steps, you know, at their house. Like they have three big YouTubers go to one person's house, and, and my boys will watch that for like ten fifteen minutes, twenty five million views, and it's like, okay, so the cost of doing this was okay. I think a slinky cost about like. Five bucks and the GoPro and all this stuff. And yeah, for one one millionth the cost to produce an NFL game, they get 10 times of you. So, or an XFL game. So, I don't know how the league holds on, but you know, if, if it's, uh, I think it's like movie theaters, like they're, they're making their money in the concession stands. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. A hot dog at an XFL game, I think it's like, $200. <laughs> so you don't know what the uh, operating costs are. I do not. But by the way, those those videos, you know what it, basically, you know what those videos are, those YouTube videos are like, I can't believe this fucking guy is like, you know, he's, you know, fucking, you know, playing with a slinky, he makes 25 million views. First of all, it doesn't mean he makes 25 million dollars, but whatever. Secondly, it's a, it's a cult of personality. They're just these are kids hanging out with friends. Oh no, I know. Yeah. I, it's I get it. Like there's a couple that the boys watch that I don't mind, but there are some times where I'm like, okay, there's one YouTuber who reviews other YouTubers. I'm like, you are watching somebody watch somebody talking about what they're watching. Okay, and no, they don't get twenty five million dollars 
per thing. But people are listening to us talk about what we're. Oh, watching. shut up! I, this, <laughs> sometimes when you point out my idiocies, you know, can't you just pull me aside and tell me what an idiot no, I, I have got to do? Air right it here, out. You know, can I can I pull my pants back up? Are you done spanking me now? Honestly, I mean, considering our 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 listenership. It's like I'm pulling you aside to privately <laughs> to tell you. It really doesn't matter, man. Come on. Uh, what are you doing with video games this week? Uh, what am I doing? Um, not a not a whole lot. I come. I'm racking my brain, brain trying to think of what I actually played this week, and uh, maybe it was a couple of retro games because. I got that Super Nintendo controller that comes with the Switch or that you can use on the Switch to play Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games. Yeah, it just I think I revisited Tetris 99 again on the Switch. A couple of Switch things. Um, that's about it. You know, nothing nothing too fancy, you. So, my little guy likes video games. But what he loves is live action role playing. And have you heard of this game, Sixty Second Apocalypse? No. Okay. It, it's your your your. It's it's the the graphics are what they are. They're not. It's it's not like a mobile game, but it's almost like a sixty four bit game. And you're looking down at a house with no roof on, so you can see it moving through. And an alarm goes off. You have sixty seconds to run through the house, get as many supplies as you can, and throw them down in the. Um, and, and, and you have a bomb shelter. You have a fallout shelter in your house. You can only carry like four things at once. And you're what? You got to get your wife. You got to get your son. You got to get your daughter. But your daughter takes up three spaces. So you got to find her, carry her, dump her in there. You got to get water. You want to get a med kit. There's an axe, a gun, ammo. Like as much as you can get in 60 seconds. Interesting. Um, and then, and this is one of the reasons, like my little guy pointed out, it's like, Oh, I'm going to play this, but it's mostly a reading game. And it is mostly once you once that 60 seconds is over, it's just a still picture of the four people. And you have to say, OK, day one, day two. And you have to ration out the food. And this is what you got. And and I watched him watching people and they're like, oh, my God, I forgot the radio or they forgot the axe or, you know, they only have like three waters and four. You you can only get water and water and cups, uh, a cans of soup. So it's an interesting thing. I would suggest just watching one five-minute link so you get an idea what it is. I Joe can't tell right now, but in our podcast room, um, I came down here the other day. I, I, I will. I, I didn't take a picture, but a video. I will post the video that I took, and I, I will a b it with a shot from the game. He recreated this entire room. Like, oh, he no, he took it down, but. Yeah. He made the med kit. He found it. We have. I mean, it's amazing. So he turned this podcast room into a bomb shelter. Like a little. Okay. See, see the water behind me yes. and, and the crackers. How yeah. that set up? That's, I thought that was for us. No, it's exactly <laughs> how it was set up in there. He found out that we have a small transistor radio. Um, he took a box, wrapped it, and it's like you know, in white, just paper. All my. He does this, and I didn't know he was doing it. I came downstairs, and I'm like. In my, in my office, my room down here, the podcast thing, it's like all it, – it's, it's you know, he moved everything aside and it's this and it's like, yeah, I'm cool with this. And then my wife comes home. She's like, okay, so upstairs – so we, we, have three, we have three stories. So he has a bedroom upstairs that he never really uses. He built that fort that takes up half the living room. They have the whole downstairs, his bunk bed and the TV in there. And now he's taken over this. We have a nine-year-old who truly controls 75, 80% of our house. <laughs> and whose fault is that? Oh, I'm good with it. Yeah. And she's like, we actually have a shed out there that he, he can make that as bomb shelters. Like, well, you know, I'm like, it's cold. Like, it's my office that he took over. If, I, if I'm good with it, you know what I mean? It's like, but I, uh, so my game playing has been zero, um, but I have very much enjoyed watching him. And so I, I so you, you got to go on these missions. And you gotta decide like which one of the family members to send out, and they'll come back with like, you know, 
um, they come back with two cans of soup or a thing of water or an axe or something like that. And then periodically people come to the door and they want to make trades and they might be raiders. So you, you have to decide if you're going to open the door. It's one of those yeah. h- however you answer it thing. And uh, so I told him, like, tonight after you leave, what, we'll, what I'll do is we can live action play it. Like, he can be in here. And it's kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons thing. You kind of have to read the story and make things up as you go, like go on these quests and stuff. And we'll time it like 60 seconds and around the house. Uh, like, you know, high boxes that could have, you know, water in it, but it could have uh, a, a, um, a radioactive rat, you know, type thing and, and all these. And, That's fun. But it's a lot of reading. And he, you do have to do a lot of reading. So I'm like, yeah, I'm actually... When, when when they sit down, they make a logical argument when they're like, wait, Pumba, hold on. X, Y, C. I'm like, okay, you talked me into because it, it makes sense. So, um, so video games can actually, you know, be educational tools, but it's, it's just fun, you know, watching him. You know, he'd rather do that than actually play the game. So Great. Yeah. Good for them. It's creative. So, it reminds me when I was a boy and I recreated the, uh, the, uh, the dice game on Price is Right in my living room. Did, I don't know. I don't did know. you? No, I'm, did you? No, I did not. I'm, I was trying to think of something funny to recreate from Price is Right as a uh, joke, but uh, the dice game was probably a lack. Lay- like, if I said Plinko, that would have been the better. Plinko would have been great. Yeah, if I, yeah, stupid. All right, I'll, I'll do that over later. Anyway. We can do that. No, I don't want to do it. No, right. I give up. <laughs> you, uh, Wait, on the joke or on the life? Over- <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Got some time. <laughs> um... So, we got that. What have you been watching? Uh, you can watch Blue Bloods. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can watch 10 seasons of Y5O oh, now. Great. What have I been watching? What did you say? I called Joe because there was rumors that Blue Blood was going to be canceled. And you, you said something hysterical like, how will old people know if it's Friday? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, they're canceling Blue Bloods. Well, how will they know that it's 7.30 on a Friday? <laughs> how will they know to take their chair at all? Yeah, I know. I'm funny. So, what am I watching? Tom Selleck is something. He's a hunk. I've been bouncing around on the on the digital spectrum here because I got... I'm into, like, Pluto TV a little bit because they have the Mystery Science Theater streaming channel and riff tracks. Which I told Joe... Uh, they're coming by here on the 4th. Oh, but they're also coming to your neighborhood. Well, it's two different sets. So Joel Hodgson and some puppeteers are doing Mystery Science Theater live tour that's coming to Lowell this Wednesday. Uh, the other thing that's happening in near where I live in Arlington is the, uh, the mad scientist who we actually ran into last year when Emo Phillips was doing that. The, when we went to go see Emo Phillips, they were coming out at the same time, so they're kind of redoing it. It's uh, Trace Beaulieu and uh, Frank Conniff. Oh, TV's Frank and TV's Frank. And Dr. Forrester are they are coming back to Arlington? Okay, to do their pretend. Uh, I don't know nearly as much as this as you do. Uh-huh. Who's who? Like, how did they decide to? These are these guys, and these are these guys. Weren't they all one big group? Did they all? Yeah, it started around? off with Joel Hodgson, and yep. then it was. Um, it was Joel Hodgson with uh, the guy who plays uh, Dr. Forrester, Trace Beaulieu. He did the voice of Crow as well. And TV's Frank was Frank Conniff. He was the mad scientist's assistant. And he didn't do a, ro- a robot voice. That was uh, originally uh, Joel Weinstein, uh, not Joel Weinstein, Josh Weinstein. And he did the voice of Servo for two years, you know, the one, the gumball yep. machine guy. So, but then he left and Kevin Murphy came on to do the voice of Tom Servo. So for the core, the core start of it, I think it would be Joel Hodgson, Trace Beaulieu, Frank Conniff as the mad scientists and TV Frank. And then it was uh, Trace Beaulieu as Crow and... and um, Kevin Murphy as Servo. I am boring myself. No, no, because I, because I know they're both out. It's it's one of those things. Like, but on the tour, it's just Joel Hodgson. It doesn't have Kevin Murphy. So now, Riff Tracks is Mike Nelson who took over for okay. for Joel Hodgson, and 
the two voices of the last inc- incarnation of uh, Mystery Science Theater bef- in the 90s. They have this, these two other guys. It's Kevin Murphy who does the voice of Tom Servo for all those years. And another guy named Bill Corbett who took over when Trace Bell U left. And he took over for the voice of Crow. So those three guys are riff tracks. And Joel is sort of on his own. Like, Joel was actually part of the revival of the Mystery Science Theater, The Return, before they canceled that. So Joel's on his own, kind of. And the mad scientists are on their own. I mean... And riff tracks are on their own. The reason I'm curious about these things is because I've dealt with, like, lots of bands and stuff like that. And I deal with, like, uh, you know, classic bands, like, you know, and pieces of shit bands like rap, who, it's funny, you know, will, if they're all together, they'll play in front of a big crowd. Like, I I had them do a NASCAR. But then they keep breaking up. And three members will tour as rap because they own the name as rap. But then, and I, I know I'm, I'm using the wrong names, Biff, so don't correct me. But I know the guitarist's name is Warren Demartini. And he has the name Rat with the drummer. They share the name. But neither one of them can use it without the other one in the band. Um, but then the re- lead singer will tour as like, you know, you know Joe... In small letters, from rat. And they'll have rat in the big letters <laughs> on the billboard and stuff like that in the advertising. Same thing. It's like like the singer from Survivor. Like one song, Eye of the Tiger. And, dude, having that one song means the band tours as Survivor. And they'll do 200 shows at fairs and things in front of 500,000 people. Thing, but that's their job. They make a, an okay living touring musicians as Survivor playing eight or nine songs that no one wants to hear before they play Eye of the Tiger. Tiger. But then the singer tours as so-and-so from Survivor or of Survivor. And it's just him with... Well, it's like, you know, Pink Floyd. You know, you have Roger Waters and then you have the rest. Uh, And so that's why I'm like... And, and, you know, why, why... But I will also say, like with Poison... Like Brett Michaels was out doing 200 shows a year, the singer, in front of a thousand people, and the guitarist CC Deville, I think is his name, was out doing 100 shows in front of 500 people. A buddy of mine who produced all their albums finally got them in the same room, talked about, and said, "Idiots, when you guys are together, you'll play 200 shows." In front of five thousand people a night, you know, and the same thing with you know my, my Guns ma- and Roses. Well, management management lives for Duran Duran, ah. and Duran Duran in the eighties there was five members, and then three went off, two went off and did something called Arcadia, and three went off and did like Power Station, and then they would tour, and there'd be three members of the band, and then two members of the band, original band, but after like twenty five years, the original five members got back together. And truly, that's when I met her, when she was following them around to the sold-out Staples Center. Like, just the three of them would get 1,000, 1,500 people. But because it was the original five back together, they did a stadium tour. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like... Well, what's the, uh, what was the name of the star, uh, Spinal Taps band when, uh, the, when the, the, the girlfriend took over? Oh, well, it was like the star... The, the star Spinal Tap Mark, Mark II. Mark II, yeah. You know... Uh, Spinal Tap Mach 2. I hope you like A New Direction. <laughs> right. And it's just like this trippy, shitty music. And they're in like this, uh, they're, <laughs> they're in that little ha- like half shell place. Add a, a, a amusement park where it says Puppet Show and, and Spinal, Spinal Tap. Tap. If I told them once, <laughs> I told them a thousand times, first Spinal Tap, then Puppet Show. Well, we got, we, you, you got a big dressing room. Oh, bigger than the fucking puppets. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not as confused as Nigel, are you? <laughs> so... That's why I was asking, like, because I am. I'm interested, like, Mystery Science Theater was game-changing. And now there's, you know, the mocking movies while they happen has become a cottage industry. But, you know, here, here we are in Boston and Summer in Somerville, Alston, and the others are on Lowell. So they're doing yeah. simultaneous tours. Right. They have, like, there's, like, three splinters there. So, yeah, you have Rift Tracks, The Mad Scientists, and Joel with Mystery Science Theater, the tour. And I wonder how how much money like 
Because tickets at the one in Lowell start at like twenty nine bucks, and they go up to like one hundred and fifty. And like, well, Mystery Science Theater is the name, and I think Joel, as the creator, owns that. So, you know, that's why if there's going to be a continuation of the Netflix series somewhere else, then Joel Hodgson will be attached to that somehow. Yeah. So, uh, but it's not it's not Mystery Science without TV's Frank, as far as I'm concerned, so. or son of TV's Frank, For, yeah, well, which was TV, played by uh, Pat Oswalt. TV's son of TV's Frank, <laughs> I love, aka Max. I, I I like that a lot. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what you've been watching. Um, I don't even know how to say that word. Do you, you know how to say that word on Netflix? Aeon. A- Aeon. Thank Aeon. you. Aeon of Horus. Remember Aeon Flux? Yes. I do. Yeah. Aeon of Horus on Cult History of NASA. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not it's not poorly done, but it doesn't have the eye candy graphics. You know what I mean? It has like the cable access graphics going from chapter to chapter. But it, it's a, it's interesting because like there was three guys, one of them who was a uh, Ron Hubbard, like they all were starting religions together and then one did this and one did this and one did this and two of those three guys like L. Ron Hubbard could have been one of the co-founders of NASA, but he went literally. I'm, those were the guys who started NASA. Like in and it, and so it was really interesting. And I'm not talking the Nazi angle of it. I'm talking this interesting. People were trying to start NASA because they believed there was other dimensions, and it, 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 it's this. Well, I mean, think about how nations were built on religions for for yeah. centuries. It's sort of the same thing. Like if you think. If you truly like drink the Kool Aid and buy into that, there's a, a you are put on this earth for a purpose, you know, or there's a mankind. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Back, man, <laughs> mankind was put on here to to to, uh, to serve a higher being, a purpose, or something that we're just a conduit for something greater than ourselves. Then you're you know you're you're driven to do you're driven to greatness. You think that you're actually doing something. For something bigger than yourself, uh, which is you're one saying of, a lot because I'm fat. Is that what you're saying? Is he calling me fat? I think you. I think you answered your own question. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean, like, well, and that's sort of like, you know, that's how people get through. Uh, they cope with everything in life now. It's like you know, the twelve step programs that you you know you give yourself to a higher power, that sort of thing. And that's you know, it, there's a benefit to that. But yeah, if you look at it objectively, it's like, hey, these guys are kind of nutty. But they're so nutty that it just might work. Well, that's I, I'm watching that, and you're seeing these guys, and it's like, you know, the the you know studying the history of the uh, you know, pyramids and this and that. It all comes down to Joe's How to Serve Man. It's a cookbook. <laughs> and then you dust off the cover and How to Serve. Um, what is it? How to Serve? Um, oh, what the fuck? How to Serve Man? And it's a How to Serve. How to serve? Uh, fuck! I give the. I don't know. Well, I, I, God I, damn it! You set the, me the, up. The, Sim- the Simpsons had a great takeoff of the the um, the Twilight Zone episode, which, by the way, how to cook for humans? Ah, and it was uh, how to cook forty humans. <laughs> Wait, there's even more space dust. How to cook four forty humans? <laughs> <laughs> I um, management sent me a great meme the other day. It's like uh, Rod Sterling, and it's like. Imagine, if you will, an atheist at a red light, and it turns green, and the car in front of them just sits there and has a bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, you got a parenting tip. I do. Where is it? <laughs> you got it for me? Do you have a parenting tip? Oh. Question mark. <laughs> Over. No, I don't. I, I ain't got no stinking parenting tips. I come here for the tips, just the tips. Hickory dickory <laughs> duck. I I I I have to say he's a genius. Um, so my my tip is you know just raise the bar, just be better than your parents when you can. Like for instance, I haven't taken off yet, um, <laughs> and I will say I'm a little proud of myself for this moment. I'm in the pool with the boys at the Y, and uh, we're at the deep end just doing a half hour straight of treading water and all this stuff. What we, the, the, the oldest one was doing laps, but then this old person, water aerobics thing, took half the pool, like the, the shallower half. 
and we're treading water. And all of a sudden, my little guy goes, oh, my gosh. And I turn around, and out of nowhere, like, 50 old ladies are on the other side of the pool, you know, and wearing, like, 1920s gear and their cap and all that stuff. And he says, wow, there's so many old ladies. In my head, he's nine. My dad would have instantly said, in so little time. <laughs> and I, in my head, said so – how do you not? Like, like uh-huh. I, I went to say it simultaneously hearing my dad say it to me and I'm like, don't. No, right. <laughs> don't don't say don't yeah. don't that one's from for you you know that little thoughts just for your head and it's perfect like what the timing of it it's like it's it's cliche sitcom perfect timing right and it's like, like you would have said it to the camera right as an aside yes. in so little time <laughs> and, and then it, you would have done the mr roper smile <laughs> <laughs> but or, or the judges would have also accepted yelling out dibs <laughs> And it's one of those moments where I'm like, you know, I did, I, you know, driving home, I actually missed my dad. And, uh, and cause he, he, till the day he died, like, you know, um, you know, visiting him on his deathbed, you know, um, it, you know, a cute candy striper were coming. I mean, he was gross and inappropriate, but, you know, a, a girl would say, like, you know, can I give you a hand with anything? He goes, yeah, but I don't think the hospital will let you get away with it. You know, and I'm like, oh, no. He was on his deathbed. Literally, but that's how he was. But that's why he's... That, that actually, he actually had license to say Oh, uh, yeah, but, but I'm saying that's how that's who he was right. you know what i mean and it's like but in my head i heard that and i'm like yeah i get a little of that you know that that sense of humor from but and maybe my boys will get that but it's like yeah not for me <laughs> like let yeah. somebody We're not else pass that torch. correct them you know at one point maybe i'll make you know because they watch the office and it's like i think <laughs> when they first started watching the office i don't think they it was funny that's what she said but I don't think they got the context of it. They know it now, you know, it, in some regards, like three years later. But uh-huh. but so I don't say that. You know, I can't say – I, I say it, but in my head. And it's – and you know me. It's hard for me not to. Yeah. It's inflective. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, then I got to go run in the other rooms yelling into a pillow. <laughs> and uh, – but that was my parenting tip. Try, you know. I'm not good at this, but just try to be better than the people before you who did it. A fine tip indeed. And a fine podcast will someday be here. <laughs> but not today. Thanks for listening to Carnival Personnel. You can catch us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, not Instagram, not Tinder. Um, I think we'll be on MySpace soon. I don't know. I, I'm stopping with the stupid jokes on the social media. I don't know. I got a couple months left on this subscription to our, our podcast provider. You know, it's up in the end of May, so we're gonna. I got to make a decision whether or not we're going to continue this farce for another year. Pretty soon, but uh, I do enjoy your company, Jacques. I'm not sure about Biff enjoying <laughs> ours each week, but you know what? You don't have to download us and listen to us if you don't want to. Oh wait. If you're friends with Jacques, you probably have to because he'll be talking about the podcast incessantly on group text. So you might as well just get in on it uh, get ahead of the game, if you will, just so you know what the fuck he's texting you about. I'm glad I'm not on those group texts. And if I do, I'll hide alerts because <laughs> I can't stand them. Can't stand group texts. Holy shit. But, you know, it is what it is. And I'm sure you can't stand this podcast any longer than I have to. So uh, I'm going to end it here. We came in in a tight hour, 10 minutes-ish, so I think we're good. So from all of us here at Television City in Hollywood, California, here's Joe saying, don't forget...